on this theme. Um, this is kind of like a, a bridge, a transitional series, just as, as we prepare some stuff that we want to do, uh, Ron and I, with the church, and bring some series of messages on the vision of the church, the, the importance of the local body, the local church, and, the, and our philosophy of ministry and service, so that you can, you know, so we hope to do that soon. In the meantime, you know, I want to talk about, you know, a prophetic communion. God wants to do something and give you some things to, to think about and give you some things that, you know, what does God wants to do with us. And I believe God wants to do this in our midst. So let's read Ezekiel chapter 1. We're going to come, we're probably in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle Ezekiel 1.1 1, 1 and, 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 and see an, a, a real biblical example of, of, of what, um, how Ezekiel worked out, walked out his prophetic ministry, how did it come about. But let's read Ezekiel 1.1. 1, 1. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Sabar Canal, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Father, we thank you for this moment that we can just talk and just encourage our hearts in the word of God. There's so much, there's so much to learn, so much that you have done in Jesus Christ. That now, now that you have come, Jesus, we can now um, go into the Old Testament. And because you have fulfilled it all, now you bring us into that wonderful uh, fulfillment of all that you have accomplished. So that we may walk in a way that is worthy of your great name. So that we may, Lord, um, answer the call of God in our lives. So that we may fulfill that, Lord, which you have called for us to be. And so we are grateful for the word of God that gives us a landscape that we can walk in, the word of God to teach us and train us in the ways of God, to train us in the, in the things of the spirit, that we would walk by the spirit, Lord, um, in the spirit, that we could walk and understand and have knowledge and understanding. And so we ask you for strength. We ask you, Lord, that you would touch us. We ask that you would speak. We ask that you would, we would you'll give us understanding. These are things, Lord, perhaps are uh, maybe require a little bit more um, biblical understanding, but you can, you can make it real to each and every one of us so that we can, we can be the people you've called us to be. So thank you for this. Thank you for what you're doing in my own heart and enabling and helping me to understand, Lord, the call of God, helping me to understand better, Lord. I want to grow. I want to be, Lord, I want to just be all that you want me to be, Jesus, for the glory of your name. And I pray that not just for myself, but for all of us. We, we want to, we want to, Lord, walk in, with you. We want to do the things you've called us to do. And we want to do them in the way you want us to do them. And so may this word strengthen our walk with you. May we, Lord, Lord, may we feel the call of God in our lives in a greater way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so we... What is it the Lord wants to do? I, I, you know, just looking at this, um, something that the Lord's been doing in my life, you know, just a, and I'm just sharing with you. Um, a, lot of, a lot of what we do here in Thursdays really, really overlap a lot, and that was not by design. That just happens to be of the way I'm at with the Lord and what he's speaking to my life. And, and so what, what, what do I mean by prophetic, right? First of all, I do not mean the gift of prophecy. I'm not, not really um, – I'm not really – uh, in targeting on the gift of prophecy. I'm, I'm looking at something much more profound. I'm looking at, secondly, I'm looking at um, something that has to do with um, a life, a life that, that, that encompasses, that reveals certain aspects of your life. 
God wants to bring your life um, so that it could be meaningful in all of its aspects. And that God's going to bring us um, to reveal something of the Lord's relationship with his people through your life. And all of this is intended to increase our concern for the people, the people of God. You know, so and we'll talk, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. God wants us not just to use us. God wants to increase in all of us a concern for the body of Christ, a concern for the house of God. I, if, you, if you follow closely, all the people that God used have one thing in common, the zeal of the house. They, 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 were, they understood that God, God's vision for this house, and somehow God brought it into the orbit of this divine passion, divine desire, and they were able, they were fueled, not God use me, God use me, God use me, you know, right? We tend to like just individualize it. But they, they were brought in and they began to understand the vastness of what the kingdom of God, what God was doing. And then those, they moved with, with great power. They moved in confidence because they knew it was more about them. So, uh, so that's what I believe prof a prophetic instrument is going to, is going to your, your life, your entire life. It's going to reveal certain aspects of the Lord's relationship with his people. But in that revelation, God's going to increase in you a concern for the body of Christ. So something that governs our lives, and, we, and not, we're not going to go through this, but we gave you two illustrations. One was, one was with the life of Ezekiel, all right? And, um, and we'll, we'll just read Ezekiel 24, 15, 25, 15 to 24. But where the Lord came to me, son of man, behold, I'm about to take the delight of your eyes away from you at a stroke. You shall not mourn or weep, nor shall your tears run down. Sigh, but not aloud. Make no mourning for the dead. Bind on the turban. Put your shoes on your feet. Do not cover your lips, nor eat the bread of men. So I spoke, so I spoke to the people in the morning, and at evening my wife died. And on the next morning I did as I was commanded. And the people said to me, you, will, you, will you not tell us what these things mean for us? So, so, so something's happening to Ezekiel's life. Now it's not just his, all that he is, all that he is now is being used for God's purposes. In this case, it's a very, it's a very impactful event took place, is that Ezekiel's wife died. But Ezekiel's uh, wife dying was just part of God trying to explain something to Ezekiel and to the people. And the people began to say, will you not tell us what these things mean for us? You that you are acting this way. Then I said to them, the word of the Lord came to me, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I will profane my sanctuary and the pride of your power, the delight of your eyes and the yearning of your souls. So you can see that, that the Ezekiel's wife dying was, was symbolic of God profaning his sanctuary. So you can see, you can see this, this life, um, this life that of Ezekiel that is really caught up, is really caught up in all that God wants to concerning his people, and Ezekiel is an instrument. The, the second example that we have is in the life of Paul, Colossians 1.24. Colossians 1.24 says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, right? And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ for the sake of his body. So that we begin, even Paul, Paul entered into where all of his life, all of his life, all of his sufferings, all of his disappointments, all of, all, all of it, he saw that. He saw all his sufferings in relationship to the body of Christ. He did not see his sufferings as isolated events. He saw them as implications for the body. That's, that's a prophetic instrument. 
that we, all of our lives can be interpreted, can be understood in the light of God's love for his people. There are going to be good experiences. There are going to be bad experiences, right? There are going to be difficult experiences. There will be glorious experiences. But that all of it, all of it is for the sake of his body. Amen? So then thirdly, we said that the Lord raises a prophetic instrument um, by way of spiritual discipline, a discipline. Um, and we'll see that in Ezekiel's life. Um, and it, it's, it's meant to accomplish two things. It's meant to accomplish two things. First of all, the discipline of this life is designed to break the stronghold of self-centeredness. We live intoxicated with ourselves, if you don't know that, right? We live totally intoxicated. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and, it's, and only Christ can break that, amen? And he sets us free, praise God, but then we, wor we work out that freedom little by little. We work out that, you know, it's not like I'm free from self. Goodbye, Emmanuel. No, I'm constantly struggling with Emmanuel. You know, so, so but, but, but this discipline, I believe, is the, it, it, it wants to break self-centeredness. The fall made us self-centered, self-conscious, self-everything, right? And so this discipline, right, um, is going to break that. Philippians chapter 2, 19 to 21. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like whom who will be generally concerned for your welfare, for they all, they all, Paul is referring to ministers. He's not referring to the general population of Rome. <laughs> He's like, they all seek their own interests. That's the reality. I mean, there have been times in my own life, you know, <laughs> I seek my own interests, you know. Uh, it's, it's just this disease. Um, we seek our own interests. But secondly, secondly, this discipline, this discipline of a prophetic life is not only designed to break the stronghold of self-centeredness, but more importantly, it, it's, it's designed to create concern for the body of Christ. That's what I'm trying to bring you. That's what I'm praying, you know, that we can be a people that can, our concern for God's house would be elevated by the spirit of God. That's right. That we can, too many of us are just concerned about ourselves, right? And that's okay. There comes a time when you're young in the Lord, you know, you got to take care, you know, God takes care of you. But then as you mature in the Lord, you start to realize, you know what? I either, either I'm going to spend all my life just trying to improve myself or maybe God wants to take me out of that. Maybe the way to improve myself is to forget about myself. Right? <laughs> and that's what I found. I found that, that, that the Lord um, um, wants to create genuine concern, um, concern for his house. Um, um, you know, let's, get, let's just go to, let's go to Philippians 2, 19, verse, um, verse 20. Verse 20, we, we'll see it here. Um, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned, genuinely concerned for your welfare. That's where I believe God, you know, God wants to bring us to a place of, genuine concern for the welfare of God's people. I believe that's, at the, at the heart of it, that's prophetic. And we'll, we'll bring that out a little more. But, but um, Jesus said in John 2, 17, look at Jesus, look, look, at, look at Jesus, zeal, zeal for your house consumes me. Right? Zeal for your house. He has a burning zeal for his house. And it consumes, it eats him apart. It eats him. It's, it's being eaten away. <laughs> His whole life is being consumed, right? That's the picture. The word there, consume, is to kind of devour, to eat. Um, his whole life, he's just feeding his life 
to this zeal. And, and so it helps, this is, this is helpful for because it helps us to redirect our passions, redirect our desires. Lord, what is it that you want? The Lord wants us to have a zeal for his house, for his people. Not just to have this, but to have genuine concern for your welfare. All right, so, so Jesus is consumed by this house. It, it actually, you know, it, it has, it has, he's being driven, right, for this concern for his house. But today I want to I look at and raise up a question. And th- th- to bring it closer to us, closer to home. And we're going to consider another important principle of this prophetic life. When does the Lord raise this up? When does the Lord raise up a new church? When is the Lord, when is the Lord concerned to raise up people with a concern for his house? And what we're going to find out is that the Lord raises up this, these kinds of instruments in a time of spiritual decline. Right? A spiritual decline in apostasy among his people. All right, so, all right, let's go to, uh, when does the Lord raise this, this, this prophetic instrument? I, wa- I want, I'll be, I'll be hope, hopefully by now you can, you can begin to understand why I'm saying that. Why, why am I saying that today? Because we are in a time of spiritual, great spiritual decline in our country, right? If you are not aware of that, um, I want you to be aware of it. There's been great losses. The question is, do you really care? Right? That's the question. Do we really care that God's people are struggling? That many are abandoning the faith? That many are questioning everything? Does it really bother you? Does it really matter to you? Does it really matter to you? How much sleep do you lose over that? And that, that's, why, that's why a prophetic instrument, it's in a time of decline and apostasy that God raises these instruments. So let's look at, let's look at um, Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter 6, verses 8, just to see these principles, biblical principles of like, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. Was this a time of revival? He said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but, say it all together, you have not obeyed my this is, this is um, Judges, God sent the prophet in a, in, during a time when the people had not obeyed his voice. People disregarded the Lord's voice. And we, we're not going to get into why they disregarded. There are many reasons why. Many reasons why people, how do we drift into disobedience? We drift, right? We drift. We, if we're not careful, before you know it, there's a way that, that seems right unto a man, but the end of it is what? Death. And we can easily drift. I don't know about you. There's this, the whole, that's why we need the Holy Spirit, right? Because if left to ourselves, we would just drift into la-la land. But the Holy Spirit awakens us. Hey, you haven't, been, you haven't been in the Word for a week. 
Right? If you're not reading your Bible every day, you are already drifting. Right? You're already drifting because, you know, that's been now, if it's only been a week, and you meant that's not, not a big deal, but if it's been three, four, six months, two years, and you really have done something, right? You're drifting. It's easy to drift from that. It happens to all of us. The scriptures reveal a consistent method that when God uses these prophetic instruments, when the people have forsaken him, that when the people have, right? And we are living in a land where people have forsaken him in all kinds of ways, and we should care about that, all right? And so, so in, in the Bible, you know, you should know that in the Bible, there, there are three groups of people or categories of people that, that have prominence in the Bible. Prophet, priest, and what is it? Prophet, priest, and king. All right? Um, these groups are unique and distinct in, in what the Bible wants to, is communicating through these groups, right? So a king will embody, will embody a principle of divine rulership. So when you look at kings, 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 uh, you can understand something about the divine rulership of God, right? Priests, how about priests? Uh, a priest will embody divine service. For the, for the sake of the people and to God, right? But then you have the prophet. And the prophet is very unique. I, 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 you know, I never, never forget when I took a, a course in Westminster on the prophet. It just triggered my interest. There was a book I read, The Messenger and The, and the Message, something like that. And it just like, for the first time, I said, wow, this is so cool. I began to really understand, you know, the Lord just used that class, used that book to just really help me to consider what is a And, and it's like, but here's what I've learned about the, the prophet will embody this really important principle, more than the king and more than the priest. The prophet will embody a principle of concern for God's people. He's just, he's just ablaze. And God's done this, right? God calls, you, no one appoints themselves to this, right? But he, God calls these prophets and they embody in their lives, God's concern for his people, right? And they are zealous for the testimony of the Lord among his people. They're just, they're just really passionate about the conditions in the land. Amen? And that's why when, when, the, when the people are declined, does the Lord raise a king? Not really. Does he raise a priest? No. But when a time of decline, what's his, what's his chosen instrument? A prophet. Amen? And I can tell you that we are in a time of decline, and I believe that God wants to raise up a prophetic instrument. Amen? In our time, in something that God could use for his glory. So the prophet will embody this, this principle more than any other group in the Bible. So I want, I want, I want, you, to, I want you to begin to see. And, and remember, all of these roles, Jesus fulfills them perfectly. So that's why Jesus can say, zeal for your house consumes me. Why? Because he's the ultimate prophet. He cares about the house of God. So he's, 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 the, he's the, the perfect prophet, right? And then we enter into Jesus' prophetic ministry. Amen? And this is the role that God's going to elevate. You know, let me give you just a little bit of a, little bit of a history here, um, just to reinforce this principle. Go to 1 Kings 16, 1 Kings 16, verses 29. Again, I want to encourage you. I want, I want, my goal is and my desire is to raise a concern, raise a concern for the conditions in the land. Because if, if I could, if, if by God's grace, 
a concern can be raised for God's house, I believe your life will change. I believe we're gonna, there'll be prayer. I believe there's going to be intercession. I believe that there's going to be involvement to get involved, to be a part of the solution. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Not too much excitement out there, huh? But I want to raise, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to raise. In the 30th year of Asa, king of Judah, so Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And as, it, and as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel. Now, the sin of Jeroboam, so some of you may not know this, the sin of Jeroboam is all over our land today, like, 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 like wildfire. The sin of Jeroboam is basically counterfeit Christianity. It, Jeroboam basically, because the kingdom was divided, so Jeroboam decided, ah, who needs to go to Jerusalem? We can set up high places all over the land. We don't need to go to Jerusalem. That's the sin of Jeroboam. You go, there's, more, there's more I can say about that, but that's everywhere now. The sin of Jeroboam. Who needs to go to church? Right? You just stay home. Right? Who needs to go? I don't need to go to church. Who needs? Who says you have to go to church? Sin of Jeroboam. When you despise the people of God for your own little religious worship, and you can set it up at home, and you can set up this, and you know that, right? But you can never really effectively do that apart from the people of God. We need God's people. The sin of Jeroboam is rampant today. But in, in addition to that, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of Sidonia, went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asher. I mean, this guy is full of idolatry. Right? And he did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Right? But in the midst of that, what does God do? Is God quiet? Who does God raise? Anyone know? Go to 1 Kings 17. Yeah, Kelly. Elijah. In the midst of that idolatry, here comes Elijah. 1 Kings 7. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbet and Gilead said to Ahab, right? Elijah. This is, again, this is a, in the midst of so much idolatry, right? In the midst of so much corruption, in the midst of, right? Elijah. God says, okay, I'm going to fuel Elijah with a passion for my name, my house. I'm going to raise him up. And he was a major thorn. Amen? Uh, Elijah was, someone you, ha you have to deal with, you have to reckon with. Amen? So that's, you have, this, you have it also in Isaiah. Look, look at Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1. Just going to go through quickly. The, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah. Vision of Isaiah. We'll talk about that at the end. Vision of Isaiah, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ye, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared, brought up, but they have what? Rebelled against me. So in a time of spiritual decline, in a, in a time when people, um, God, what does God do? He raises up the prophet Isaiah. Amen? These are ways of God that if you're interested to understand the ways of God, these are things that as a Bible student, you, you say, okay, that's interesting. God did that again. All right, but that's not the only time, right? Um, um, look at verse 3. Um, the ox knows its owner. 
Um, and the donkey, its master script, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. You know, again, remember, it's important to understand that God cares the most about his people. Right? The prophet is nothing apart from God. The, pro the passion, the zeal of the prophet comes from God. He cares. God says, my, look, ox knows his own, but the donkey, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. God cares. God cares when the people don't know, do not understand. God cares about them. And so he goes on, all sinful nations, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corrupt, they have forsaken the Lord, they have despised the Holy One of Israel, they are utterly estranged. The Lord raised Jeremiah. Look at, go, keep going. The word of the Lord came to me saying, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. I remember the devotion of your youth. Your love as a bride. How you followed me, where? Where did you follow Jesus? In the wilderness. He, he, he's really alluding to the, the kind of devotion. Amen. Do you remember the when we were saved? Man, we, we, we just followed Jesus no matter what happened, right? We followed him. We, didn't, we were not looking for comfort. We wanted him. And we followed, we followed in the wilderness. We followed in a land that's not even sown. That, 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 you know, for, from the outward, it didn't even look like a future. But he remembers the devotion of your youth. But something happened. Something happened. Um, Israel was holy to the Lord. The first fruit of the harvest, all who ate of it incurred guilt. Disaster came upon them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Israel, house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthless and became worse? You see, again, you got these conditions. You got uh, terrible conditions. For whatever reason, they went far from me. They went after worthlessness. They became worthless. But in the midst of that condition, who does the Lord raise up? Jeremiah. You can say it. Jeremiah. <laughs> the Lord raises up Jeremiah. Lord Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel. Right? Two nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. Right? Um, the descendants... Also are impudent and stubborn. I will. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, "Thus says the Lord." And whether they hear, or refuse to hear, for they are rebellious, they will know that the prophet has been among them. So again, just time after time, I can talk to you about Malachi. I can talk to you about all these prophets, and and those are things for us to learn that, that in a time of decline, a time of disobedience, and a time of rebelliousness, God is looking for an instrument. God wants to raise up an instrument. You know, God is not going to be denied. Not everybody's going to bow their knee to Baal. Amen. God's going God, to preserve a people. So God's answer in a time of great spiritual decline among his people is to raise up a prophetic instrument. And that's what I'm asking God to do in us. You know, all of these things are, are ways that God wants to teach us, right? Look at 1 Kings, and you can hear, you can hear uh, Elijah's own testimony. 1 Kings 19, 9 and 10. Then he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord. The God of hosts. You see that? You see Elijah's heart? God wants to produce that in us. Amen? God wants, to, God wants us to really care. That's why we call a house of prayer. Because this is going to involve praying, asking God, 
really get becoming emotionally involved in the condition of the house. And so God wants to do something. You know, God wants to um, raise up, I believe, a church. So many people are indifferent. So many people don't care that much. So many people just move on with their lives. Everything is good. But I'm asking God, you know, Lord, give us a, give us a, a church that really cares about the children, cares about um, what's going on in our society, what's going on, and particularly with a specific focus on the house of God. Give us, give us, help us to really care. Help us to have genuine concern. You know, and, um, wh- what do you need to do? What do you need to do sometimes? Just sometimes you just need to ask. I love Nehemiah. Just look at, look at Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it's happened. I love that. You know, now it came to pass in the month Tislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, that's the citadel. Nehemiah's working in the palace. Nehemiah is now, um, he's good. He's, he's actually in a good condition. Nehemiah is actually, he's good. He's having, he's having, he has a good life. He's actually working for the king. He has influence in the kingdom. He's good. But I love what Nehemiah does here. Verse 2, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And what did he do? Concerning what? The gate. Like ask. Ask. Just take a moment to say, Lord, how are your people doing? Ask. He could have said, I don't have time for that. (laughs) Just like, I'm busy with the king's affairs. Asked them concerning the Jews. That was that was not his business, right? That, that was not he's he's in he's serving the king. He's fine. He's everything. Everything is fine. He's not necessarily afflicted. He's not like. But he asked. He took time to say, "I, I want to inquire." And the reason why he asked is because why? Because he cares. I asked him concerning the Jews who had escaped and survived in the exile and concerning Jerusalem. So he wanted to know about the people, but he also wanted to know about Jerusalem. You know, I, I, how's Jerusalem doing? And, um, and they said, verse 3, and they said to me. And I love that because when you ask, God will answer you your question. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who has survived the exile is in great trouble and That's how, that's how things are today. Things are in great trouble and sickness. If you only knew the, 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 inner, the inside thoughts of many people that come to church, and they have so many questions, they have so much doubt, they, they, they don't know that God loves them. They don't really, they, don't, they just are full of doubt. Trouble, shame. They may not say it to nobody. Right there, Pastor. Great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is what? Broken down. And the gates are destroyed by fire. 
not a pretty picture, right? Not, not a pretty picture at all. Um, you know, that we, could, that we could be a people that can, that God, I believe God wants, wants us to enter into this, uh, you know, this concern. Concern for other people. Concern for what's going on in our world. Concern for all the, the, the mental illness, the anxiety, the panic attacks. I, I sat down with um, a, a woman this week to tell me, wow, you know, she does, she works for Lehigh Valley Hospital. She says, we're now counseling 12-year-olds that have panic attacks. And it's like, how can you have a panic attack at 12 years old? You haven't paid a single bill. You have to have paid at least one bill. You know what I'm saying? To qualify for a panic attack. You know, but no, how, how, but what's going on? It's different. Do, but do we really care? You know, you've seen the stories, right? Um, now, asking, but I, what I, here's what I love about um, Nehemiah, verse 4. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down, wept, that's that's prophetic instinct. That's concern. That's this matters to me. God bless a person who can really may the Lord raise them up with a concern for the body of Christ. That can say it matters to me, and I'm going to stop. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to weep. I'm going to mourn. Right for days. Continue fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Do you, do you see how that drives us to prayer? Why isn't the church praying as much as they should? Because there's just no concern. There really is not that much concern. We're good, right? We're good. We're okay. And um, but I don't know about you, but I hear the testimonies. And I see people who have come to church and hardly ever show joy. I get that. I get that. So a lot of people come to church, and there really is no joy. They're doing it out of discipline. They're doing it because they, it, but I get it. Many people come to church, and there isn't this joy. I get it. You know, the answer is in God. Amen? The answer is, you know, if you're, if you're content to live without joy, if you're content to live just kind of going through the motions and just routine and just, that this is beyond me, I, I can't change anything. It is what it is, right? Yeah, it takes. That's why. That's why I'm asking God to raise up a concern, because then you know it requires faith. That God can change this. God can do certain things. He may not bring bring revival to everybody, but He surely can do that in one person's life. He surely can do that in a community. I believe, and lift up our joy, that there would be such a joy that will be so evident around for everyone around us. Amen. How many want to live like that? That people just Feel your joy. Amen? Amen. Because what's at stake in your lack of joy? What's at stake? Something's at stake. Guess what? God's glory. Right? <laughs> God's glory is at stake. How, how do people see the, God's glory? They see it in you and through you. That when you're joyful, you give God glory. Amen? But when we're like going around moping, how can they see the, that our God is good? Amen? So I don't know about you, but I refuse to be unhappy. I said, nope. I may be going through a hard time, but I'm going to, Lord, 
I'm going to fight for my joy. Amen? I'm going to fight. I'm going to put smile. I'm going to laugh because God is worthy. Amen? He's greater than my condition. He's greater than what I'm going through. And I, I represent him. Amen? And so I want people to know he's a great God. I believe that in the last days, God's going to raise up, I think, this kind of instrument. You know, God, God is calling us to, to raise a concern, right? Um, look, 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 at, look at Malachi chapter 4, Malachi chapter 4, and verse 5 and 6. I'm just going to try to wrap it up. And just what, I'm, I'm just praying, God, this is what I'm at. I told the Lord, I just, Lord, raise up a concern for your people. Raise up a concern that others might, might, might join this desire to see God's glory. Right here at Hope Community Church. Amen? How many would like to see God really really do something special here? Amen? I want to see God. We haven't even begun to touch the tip of the iceberg. Right? Things that God could do to, to bring real joy among his people. But we've got to ask God, Lord, do this in our midst. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. You know, so we see this, right? We see this right principle again. Right? We know that John the Baptist fulfilled this principle, right, when Jesus came. But then, then you have this before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. I don't believe that that day has come, right? I believe that's referring to the day of the Lord, amen? And, and I will send you Elijah the prophet. What does that tell you about just before the great and awesome day of the Lord? What does that, if he's sending a prophet, what does that mean about the conditions? They're not good, <laughs> Right? They're not good. But God will not be denied. Amen? God's not going to be like, well, it's not good. What do we do? No. He's going to raise up Elijah the prophet. He's going to raise up a generation of people that will have concern, that will be baptized in a concern for the house of God, that will care about the testimony, that will care how people are walking, right, that we can take to, to the Lord and pray for each other with strong crying and tears until we see victory in their lives. Amen? That's what God's calling us. Like, this is not going to just happen as we wait on the Lord, right? Well, right. We're going to wait on the Lord, but we're going to wait in, in travail. God, strengthen him. Right? That's, this is the message on Thursday, that we can be his representational instruments on behalf of others. That we can really take this burden for each other. And don't just get your act together. No. Take it upon yourself. I'm going to pray you through with God's help. Does God still do that? Amen. Come on. Say amen. God still delivers through you. Amen. That you can take the, the, the causes of people's affliction, people's problems. Now, they're going to get involved in the solution, but you're praying it through. Amen. You're being an instrument for the grace of God to pour upon them, pour upon them, pour upon until the chains are broken. And it happened through you. Amen? That's the kind of church uh, to be an instrument of good, an instrument of life for those who are dying, that God can pour his spirit upon us and that we can do the work and that we can see God's glory in the lives of other people. Amen? But that ain't going to happen if there's no concern in the house. That's only going to happen if first, there's a concern, right? So that we can pray for one another. We just want people to change by themselves. It doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. God wants you and me to be involved in their change. Amen? 
now I'm, I'm starting to really grasp that for the first time in my life. Really, I'm like, okay, God, this is awesome that we can really be effective instruments in the hands of the Lord for the benefit and the, and the good of other people, despite how they live. That we can stand in the gap and we can have so much concern for their lives that God can use us, pour his grace on them, right? How many times Paul would say, thank you for the open doors that God supplied through your prayers, right? Paul would say that. It was your prayers that opened the door. And I, and I want us to take lay hold of that. We have the answer in our hands. Begins with concern for the house. We got to care for people. We got to start caring for God's children. Don't just criticize them. Don't just like, oh, look at, look at him. Lord, what a bum. No, take it upon yourself and say, no, I'm going to pray for you. And God's going to set you free. Because he's a good God. Right? And, 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 and we, can, we can travail for others. Amen? Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet for the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. He will. The, a prophetic instrument is, is successful. Not in everybody in the whole land, but in, in, in fulfilling the things that God has called them to do. Amen? May the Lord raise us up, you know, to really um, look at, this is, a, this is our, our, our theme verse from, from, um, from the Thursday Bible study. Like I said, some of this is all like in, um, embedded. Ezekiel 44, 15. Ezekiel 44. And this is what I've been, we've, been, we've been saying on Thursdays, and we've been saying it now. May the Lord do this. But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary. They kept it. Part of that keeping is concern, right? You can't keep something that you're not concerned about, right? You, 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 there's got to be a concern. I'm asking God, raise our concern for the sanctuary. Raise our concern for God's people that we can travail. This is not about you and me. This is not, we have nothing. You and I have no tears for anybody, but Jesus Christ has tears for you. Amen? Jesus Christ has love that he can pour in our house for others. So don't look to yourself. Don't look to your emotional. We, none of all of us stink. <laughs> We're just so like, we have nothing. But Jesus Christ, through the power of the Spirit, that's a different story. He can do magnificent things. Amen? And it, he says, they kept the charge of my sanctuary. They kept it. They had concern for my name, right? And they kept it. When the people of Israel went, uh, where did they go? Well, they went astray. Everybody else is going their way, but these Levitical priests, these sons of Zadok, they said, nope, we're going to keep the charge of the sanctuary. I'm asking God, may hope keep the charge of the sanctuary. Amen? That we can have a people in here that would be faithful to God and say, Lord, pour in me a concern. Get rid of yourself. Now, it's not about you. It's not about your ministry. Not, <laughs> I grew up with all that. I mean, I grew up, I'm telling you, I grew up, I, I saw a vision. I had a, I had a stadium, 10,000. I'm like, you know what? That's so carnal. I see it's so carnal now. Just, that's not God. He cares about others. He wants to use you for, to, to build up others, to build the body of Christ. Amen? Man, forget about all these grand visions. Let's just be faithful in the little things, and let's faithfully pray for one another. Amen? And watch God move. Don't, don't, don't look at all the big things. Just be faithful. As you're praying for people, as when somebody comes to your mind, I love, what, I love what Paul says. 
I pray for you every time in my remembrance. Hey, let me give you a trick. A tip, not a trick, a tip. <laughs> Whenever you remember anyone, pray for them. Don't just say, oh, Juan, from my last name. <laughs> no, Juan, oh, Lord, I just lift up my brother Juan. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, the moment you remember them, pray for them. Right? Just, just pray for them. Don't, don't wait. Don't, is the spirit speaking? <laughs> Forget about that. Just pray. It came to your mind, and God is saying, oh, pray for them. I don't think that God ever brings anyone to your mind. I don't think that God ever brings anyone to your mind, and he doesn't want you to pray for them. <laughs> what do you want you to admire his features? Look at his cheekbones. That's a, wow, that's pretty interesting. His elbows are, like, really interesting. No, <laughs> it's like, no, you, 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 he's bringing it to your mind so you can pray for them. Amen? So have you lost a prophetic vision for the house, a concern for the house? This is an honest question, right? This is, let's be honest. We're all in this together. <laughs> but this is an honest question that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to push us. Have you lost a, pro- a concern, prophetic concern for the body of Christ? I think it's so easy nowadays. We got so many problems. There's so many distractions, you know, TikTok, Instagram. I find new, serv- new, new apps every day. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> People are like all over the map. But it's sucking dry our concern for the house. How do I know that? The prayer meetings, not that well attended. Not just here, but everywhere. There's a legitimate reason why people can't make it. But I believe that it's just not a lot of concern. And, you know, I get that. I've been there. But have you lost a prophetic vision? Look, look, look at Proverbs 29, 18. When there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off their faith. When there is no concern for the house, right? Remember, it's not about you. It's not about prophetic vision has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the God you because we can easily um, turn the things of God for our benefit, right? We just have, we have a, I don't know about you, but I think I have a PhD <laughs> on how to turn it for my good. You know, we, we, we can just twist things to benefit me. Like, I would, I'm going to be motivated by me. You know, and, and, and no, but the prophetic vision is concerned with the house of God, the people of God. And this concern is fueled by God, not your emotions. It's not fueled by you know, anything, it, it, it's fueled by God, the spirit of God. He fuels it. He gives you thoughts. He gives you, he helps you to see. He helps you to experience <laughs> his concern. He helps you to, like, uh, uh, about prophetic life, when, when, when Ezekiel's wife died, he was hurting. And God says, Ezekiel, you see that how you're hurting? That's why I feel. That's why I feel, right? So, so everything in his life, everything in our lives, right, so when, when there is no prophetic vision, we cast off restraint. Now, where does that word cast off restraint come from? You know where that word appears? That word appears in Exodus. Exodus 32. You, you'll know the story. Moses comes down from the mountain with two tablets. And the people are praying and fasting. No? Praying and fasting? Having a good time in the Lord? <laughs> what are they doing? Reveling. 
Uh, that old, old, you know, old ruddling. <laughs> you know, um, Joshua said is a sound of war, right? And Moses said, no, it's not the sound of war. It's the sound of people complaining, reveling. And what, what were they doing? Remember? Building a golden calf and dancing around it. <laughs> like, right? And it's in that context that this word is used, by the way. Look, listen to this. Uh, Exodus 32, verses 25. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, the people cast off the stone. Same word. See what happens when, when you don't have a concern for God's house? You, you, you lose your strength. You live the way you want. And not only do you live the way you want, but you follow all kinds of carnal pleasure and all kinds of appetites. And all, right? right? At the end of the day, it's the house that's going to regulate. I, I, I love that. I love that picture. It's, it's your concern for the house that will regulate your walk with the Lord, right? I, I love it the way the Lord does it that way. You know, I said, man, that, that, that's kind of cold. <laughs> just like, but, you know, can we loosen up? How about me? You know, can, we, can it just be me and you, Lord? Yeah. And the Lord said, no. Care for my house. I'll care for yours. When we don't have a concern, when we have no prophetic vision, we break loose. And we build golden calves. And we all do it in the name of worshiping the Lord. Because they were just like, they were worshiping. It was a twisted worship, right? No concern for the house. No concern for God's people. No concern for God's name. No concern for the testimony. No concern. Just me. You will break loose. You will cast off. You will cast off a stone. And I believe that God, I believe that if, if many would say, God, put this concern in my heart. I believe God would begin to break bondages, begin to set you free, begin to get, right? Because now it's like, okay, now we can walk. Now we can walk together because I want you to care for my people. I want you to, do you love me? Feed my sheep, right? Moses stood in the gate, right? Uh, and, and for Aaron had let them break loose, right, <laughs> to the derision of their enemies. And, and it's amazing how this so true today. We have had ministry Celebrity pastors who had let us break loose without teaching the word of God, teaching truth. Aaron, he's a type of the priesthood, type of a leadership, and he let them break loose. Isn't that so true today? How many pastors don't, don't, don't really speak the word of God, but they, they let the people break loose, and they, all they could do is just think about their prosperity, think about how, how great things are, how many cars they got, how many houses, Right? Isn't it amazing how the word of God is just so accurate to the derision of their enemies? Amen. And he goes on and says, what Moses, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who's on the Lord's side? Come to me. And I love it. All the sons of Levi. Levi, by the way. It's my favorite group in the Bible. <laughs> the sons are gathered around him. Amen. So, God wants to um, encourage us. Amen? I want to encourage you to pray for one another. You know, what is Christianity if we're not caring deeply for one another? I'm not a good example of this. Trust me. So don't look to me. Look to Jesus. But I'm praying. Deepen my concern. You know where I'm starting? In prayer. I'm saying, okay, I'm going to pray for this person and everything that happens. I'm not going to believe because I, I want to believe you that you can set captives free. 
Amen? We want to be this kind of people that really care for one another. What good is it we have all these people, but we don't care for each other? Let's stand. And Abby, why don't you come? And you know, my, 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 heart, my heart's desire is, is um, my heart burns for the house of God here. Let's pray to see God's people joyful, God's people seeking the Lord. You know, not perfectly, but in victory. Not, not you know, um, but that there would be an increase of joy in our midst. Wouldn't it be wonderful for, the, for us to start to sing in a song and we don't quit two hours later because there's so much joy? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Or would that make you uncomfortable? <laughs> I don't know, but I, don't, I want, we, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a very simple man. <laughs> life abundantly, it means life abundantly. That we could come into the house of God, that there could be such a roar of joy in the midst of persecution, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of so much harassment, right? Harassment and all those things don't hinder our joy if we let it, you know, it's just that we, 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 we let it hinder us. But God can give us joy in the midst of our greatest affliction. God wants to restore you. Uh, God wants to restore a concern for the house, you know, real care. Ask yourself, do I really care about the conditions in life? Some of you might even say, I don't think it's that bad. I think you're making it out too much more. That's a great, that's a great, I, I want to encourage you. Um, go read the word of God. <laughs> read the book of Acts. <laughs> and the people had all things in common. Woo! <laughs> right? And they daily went to the temple Right? Daily following the apostles' teaching in, in fellowship with one another. Is that, is that the way we live? No, we don't, right? So, yeah, some of you might say, well, I don't think it's that bad. I want to challenge that today. You don't think it's that bad. I wish, I wish you're right. I wish you're right. But things are bad. Things are bad. God wants to revive us, God wants to really do a work in our lives. And and some of you might say, well, it is bad, but I don't know what to do about it. Um, well, I think God wants to give you an increased concern for his house. And with the, with the, with the fruit being prayer. Let's pray. But I, wanna, I want to give you a promise. That although things are bad, God promises to restore. Now you might say, well, well, he's going to restore, so what's, what's the big deal? Just let it happen. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. One of the things that in God's economy, He wants prayer. Ask me, and I'll do it. And you see that all over through the Bible. But um, look at Jeremiah 30, verse 3. 30, verse 3. For behold, days are coming. Isn't that, isn't that, come on, do you feel relief just at those words? Days are coming. There ain't no devil, there ain't no nothing that can stop those words. Days are coming, declares the Lord. For when I will restore the fortunes of my people. Amen? He's co it's coming. 
That's what drives us, right? So the concern is not against that. It's just, I believe God works in us because he wants us to, to be involved, but then he gives us promises. I will restore the fortunes of my people. And if you want to figure out, well, what, what does that look like? Read Psalm 126. How does it look like when God restores the fortunes of my people? You know what it looks like? We were like them that dream. We were like them like, go to Psalm 126. <laughs> Let's go to Psalm 126 verse 1, yeah? You want to see how it looks like? How do you know, how do you know God's done it? When the Lord restored the captivity of Zion. How were you like? How were you like? Right? It's not like, well, I was like, I was in such a nice, happy place. <laughs> no, it's like more than that. It's like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> is this real? Is this really real? Am I in a dream? Right? Like, come on, right? Like, like when God does, give him a little credit that when God does something, he does it good and he overwhelms you. We were like those who dream. I don't know about you. I don't think I'm dreaming. <laughs> verse 2 then our mouth this is, how it, this is how it looks like when he restores your fortune how, what's your mouth filled with fried fries <laughs> with laughter amen right Come on, this is real if this is not real we might as well pack our bag go home he says no this is the word of God he says when I restore I'm going to fill your mouth with laughter. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? He could have said, I'm going to fill your mouth with, you know, a nice quiet moment. <laughs> no, with laughter. And our tongues with what? Shouts of joy. Right? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like when God restores us. Now, the question is, as I read, oh, God. My life, is, my mouth is not filled with laughter. That's the whole point of the word of God, to bring a mirror. And say, so, oh God, I'm going I'm, to, I'm, I'm, my mouth is not filled with laughter. What is keeping me, Lord? I want my mouth to be filled with laughter. I want my tongue to, with shouts of joy. But it goes on. Then they said among the nations. In other words, it's so obvious what's happening among the people that the nations have a commentary. They post on the Instagram of revival. <laughs> the Lord has done great things for them. They recognize it. They're like, wow, this is like, God has done great things for them. Now, you know what's interesting about, about this scripture? That while they're laughing, they actually don't realize what's going on until the nations say, hey, God's done great things for you. Verse 3, then, right, the Lord's done great things for us. We are glad, right? Then they realize, wait, you're right. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord, right? So in the moment you get caught up and you get lost, then the nations come and say, hey, God's done great things for you. And you're like, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I'll never forget when I was in college, you know, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I came to college on September, and one of my friends, Richard, you know, and we used to go out to bars, uh, just no bars, uh, more dancing. We were like into dancing, discos and things like that. And he comes and he looks at me and he says, I, 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 I say, hey, Richard, 
He, I haven't seen him all summer. And he says, you're a Christian. I said, whoa, yeah. And he said, I said, how, how did you know? He said, your faith got me. I was like, you know, the first time I said to myself, that was the, I had been seeking the Lord for like four months. And I was like, and that awakened me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Jesus, how did you make me believe? But I was so wrapped up in praying. I was so wrapped up in, that I didn't take a moment to say, God has done great things for me. Until Richard came and said, you're, you're a Christian? I said, Christian? Wow. Yeah. I know that. You saved me. <laughs> God is good to us. Amen. I want to encourage you. God's going to do great things. But first, a concern for the house. Do you care? Can we pray all together? This, I'm, going to, I'm going to turn this into a big altar call. <laughs> Can we say, God, you know, help me to care for your people. I want to care for the things that you care for. I want to care for your people. I want to have genuine concern. And I pray for all of us here, Jesus. We ask, we ask you to forgive us, Father, for allowing life to just take away our interests, our concerns, and being so wrapped up in the cares of life that your word just chokes out, your word that speaks so wonderfully concerning your people, your word that so has revealed your purpose and sovereignty, that word gets choked out because of the cares of life. And I just pray, Father, right now that you would just um, set us free to care for your people. Some of us have been so concerned with our own lives that we have no room to care for others. But I'm asking you to empty us out. Like, like Jesus, he emptied himself. He emptied himself. God, empty us out of ourselves and give us a genuine concern for the welfare of your people. That we would cry over the, the loss of power, the loss of life, the loss of so much that we see in our midst. That we will weep over that, Lord. And that you increase in us little by little a concern for the Lord's testimony among your people. And so I just, Lord, I just lift up this moment. I want to take a moment to pray. If you feel, you can stay in your seat. Just raise your hand if you feel, you know, my heart is so distant from the things of God and the concern for his house, and I, I want him to change that. So if that's you, just raise your hand. 